Amen. Amen. We are starting something today called His Kingdom Comes. His Kingdom Comes. And over the next several weeks and months, we're going to be diving into uh, the reality of God's kingdom here with us and in us. And this morning I want to do expecting the kingdom, expecting the kingdom. His kingdom comes, Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Uh, but how many guys in the room played with Hot Wheels? Where's my Hot Wheels? How I many anybody had played with Hot Wheels? Somebody, some of you are like, I still play with Hot Wheels. All right. Uh, I used, I have probably 300, 400 Hot Wheels still at home. And I used to play with Hot Wheels all the time uh, when I was young. And I, if you would have come into my parents' house, man, it would have been tracks and houses and cities from my, my bedroom all the way in to the living room. And I would spend hours just getting lost in playing Hot Wheels. It wasn't Hot Wheels, it was G.I. Joe, Joe's, right? And my boys got some G.I. Joe's right back there while I got just checking them out before service. Uh, so I could get lost for hours in that, making whole worlds uh, in my room, in the living room. But then you grow up, right? And you lose your imagination. And so now I'll come home, and I've got two girls, and so my girls will fill my whole house with a lot of pink and a lot of Barbies and a lot of babies. And to them, they can still get lost in that, and they can see these whole worlds. To them, it's a daycare, and it's a school, and it's, you know, it's Barbie's dream house, and it's all this stuff, right? Uh, but to me, it looks like a mess, right? Because I come home after a long day, you know, whatever we come home and you walk Walk in and you're stepping on pink and hair and, and all this stuff, and, and parents know what I'm talking about, because I expected a clean home, to me it's a mess, to me it's a frustration. Sometimes I get angry because I'm like, we just cleaned this, how did it get dirty so fast? Uh, because I didn't expect it, and I am not seeing the same thing they're seeing. I don't see what they see because I'm expecting something different. I can get frustrated and even upset. Because my expectation is different than what they see. What do you expect when you come into God's house? If you come in expecting maybe today some good songs and a good preaching and a message and, uh, you know, a nice place that's air-conditioned to worship and uh, you want some do's and don'ts and a way to escape hell and heaven and gain heaven, that might do for a while. But what happens when the Spirit does things not that you were expecting? He does unexpected things. What happens when God wants to do things that you didn't expect? If I'm just looking for something on my own, maybe I might get frustrated. I might get upset even. I'm just looking for church things. But maybe God is looking for spiritual things. Or what do you expect out of the Christian life? The one who expects to live mostly like the world, but maybe a little bit more moral, a little bit more codes of conduct in my life, maybe just to live a little bit better than the world, but still live in the world. They might get frustrated if God calls them to sell some of their possessions. Or what about getting lost in prayer for about an hour, as was common for Jesus? See, it's all about what you're looking for and what you're expecting. God may have more for you than you're even expecting, and God is spirit and His kingdom is spirit. Somebody say amen. amen. God is spirit and His kingdom is spirit. And despite what you hear, man is still longing for a supernatural spiritual God. Just look at it. Well, here's what we've done today. We've uh, allowed Hollywood to pacify. We've allowed Hollywood to take up residence in that department. Man, we think atheism, well, people aren't spiritual. People don't want the supernatural. But what do you see on TV? Man, we will get captivated for hours by superheroes going across space and time and different dimensions, right? We will get captivated for hours with spaceships going through space portals and beaming us up and all kinds of aliens. 
We'll get captivated for hours watching movies with demons and spirits and ghosts, talking about an afterlife. How many know man's still hungry at some point for the supernatural? But what we've done is given Hollywood the definition of it and allowed Hollywood to take up residence there. But man's still hungry. We live every day, though. Every single day, you and I live in a reality between three different kingdoms, three different realms, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of man, and the kingdom of darkness. Every day we live in ignorance between this isn't just an imagination, it's not just a movie. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. The word world means cosmos. He says, my kingdom is not of this cosmos. It's of a different order. It's of a different place. It's of a different dominion. Paul said it was the, the God of this world, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelieving hearts so they won't see the gospel of Jesus Christ, the light of God. They're blinded. And every day, because we don't understand, we are living in a fallen kingdom. And man's fallen kingdom is submissive to another kingdom. And that's the kingdom of darkness. And we're submissive and we're blinded that every day we live our natural tendencies to do things by our own works, our flesh, our power. Man is unaware that he's living in a real movie. It's a real dimension. It's a real place that there is a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. And I am walking somewhere between the mix. And every day I can choose. I may not see that my decisions, my behaviors, my attitude are affecting spiritual circumstances and my spiritual destination. How many know that's true? Everything you're doing in this kingdom is going to be affected in eternity. Many don't realize, driven by fleshly desires, we don't see the eternal consequences ahead of us. We're ignorant to who and what is really ruling us. That's why you can be a member of the church and still not yet a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. I think there are millions of Americans attending church today who are not kingdom citizens. You see, the church is a part of the kingdom, but it's not the kingdom. I'm going to talk to you about maybe something you've never heard of today. That as we want to change our expectations and enter with childlike faith and experience God's kingdom for ourselves. You see, the same kingdom that's up there and will be then, Jesus says, is here and is now. The same kingdom that's up there and will be then is also here and now. So look with me in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. If you're there, somebody say, Amen. Amen. Let me give you the background. So, in the day of Moses, God said to Moses, I want my people to be a kingdom of priests to me. Exodus 19, I want my people to be a kingdom of priests to me. But Israel, they desired a king like the rest of the world. They wanted a man to lead them in the natural way. Not in God's way, but in a natural way. Saul comes, he doesn't live up to the bar. But God finds a young man named David who'd be a man after his own heart. David would remember, God alone was always king. And so God said, David, through you, I'm going to raise up the eternal king. Through you, I'll raise up a king that's going to be basically me. He's going to be my son. And David had a vision. He had a prophecy. And he saw that God would give the kingdom to this person in his lineage. He'd be a son of David, but he'd also be a son of God. And he would be king of Most High, and his kingdom would have no end. Even the prophet Daniel saw this Messiah, this anointed one, this Savior King. And Daniel saw him in a vision, seated at the right hand of the Father. And he was with the angel.
Ancient of Days, and he said he was given an eternal kingdom, and there were saints to rule it with him. There were holy ones to rule this kingdom with him. And Daniel saw it at the end time. There will be a kingdom given to this king, this prophesied prince of peace, and he would have saints rule this kingdom with him. Well, years go by, nothing happens. Comes, goes, comes and goes, comes and goes. Greek rules Israel. The, the nations of Alexander the Great rule him. And then Rome comes in and rules him. And they put a puppet king, an evil king named Herod the Great. About that time, the angel Gabriel comes and he comes to a young girl named Mary. And he said, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And he is going to be called Son of the Most High God. And he's going to take on the throne of his father David. And he's going to have a kingdom that will never ever end. Well, you would have thought there'd been a big fanfare, but nobody knew it but a few shepherds, and a couple years later, three, maybe four, maybe twelve, we don't know how many, wise men, right? The Magi. But nobody knew. Thirty years goes by. Thirty years. There's nobody talking about this king. John the Baptist, though, begins to preach, he begins to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mass revival breaks out across Israel. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are baptized in water at the River Jordan. There's a mass revival. But nobody really knows what John is talking about. Why? Because for them as a Jew, heaven was a place that God dwelled up way past the sky, and only God and angels lived there. Man's only hope was to go down into the grave to a place called Sheol, the place of the dead, Abraham's bosom, and just live there with all the old people who served God for all these years under the earth somewhere. John goes to jail, and here's what Jesus' number one sermon he would preach over and over and over is. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel, the good news of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of heaven that was going to, is up there and will be then, it's there and it's then, is also here and now. The kingdom of heaven that's up there and then is also here and now. So I have a kingdom. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm pretty proud of it. I have a kingdom. Uh, it, my kingdom is a place. It is, uh, has four boundaries. It has a road. It has a house, mailbox, and uh, has a little swimming pool for the kids. And that is my boundaries. That place is my domain. That is my kingdom. And I get to decide who comes and who goes. I get to decide what the landscape looks like. I get to decide what color, maybe if my wife approves, what the wall is going to look like. Come on, somebody. All right. Uh, I have a place. That's my kingdom. But I also have a people. That's my kingdom. They're sitting on the front row today. They're called the Harris family. And this place wouldn't be much without those people. You know what I'm saying? Right? We can go to a restaurant and we're still my people. That's still my people even if I'm not in that place. Are you with me this morning? They're my people. That's my kingdom. I got a place. I got a people. All right? But I also have some power. On that property, I get to decide what we eat. Sometimes. What, what we wear, what we get to watch on TV, that's my authority. I can choose whether or not you come and go to my power. That's my power. That's my authority. But you know what? I also live under a different kingdom, the state of Louisiana. Come on, somebody. And uh, they, they like to take taxes out, right? And so my kingdom 
is my place, my people, my power. But I'm also submissive to another higher kingdom above me. That's what Jesus is saying here in this passage. And that's what I want you to know today. There is a kingdom of heaven. Heaven is the place, any place where God dwells. It's where He is. Heaven is not a place where the streets are gold. Heaven is here and now among us. Heaven is anywhere God rules and reigns. Heaven is a place, yes. It's a place up there. It's a place that will be in the future then. But it's also a place here and now. It's a people. It's a people for God's own possession. That's what uh, the Apostle said uh, at the end in Revelation, that He has made us to be a kingdom of priests. We are the kingdom. There is a kingdom, but we are a kingdom. And the kingdom is a place where God dwells. It's a people who are the kingdom people. We're citizens, Paul said, in the kingdom of heaven. But it's also a power. The kingdom is a power. When Jesus came and began to do mighty miracles, and people began to walk and leap for joy, and deaf ears began to open, and people began to walk out of the grave, and Jesus, everywhere He went, demons manifested, and He was advancing that kingdom of light against the kingdom of darkness. And everywhere Jesus went, His kingdom went. Everywhere He went, His power went, because a king has a reign. He has a rule. It's the reign of that monarch, like Queen Elizabeth. How many years did she reign? A long time, right? That was her reign, her power, her authority. Jesus came and he showed you, I have authority on earth. I have authority to forgive sins. I have authority to raise the dead. And everywhere Jesus went, he began transferring that fallen kingdom of man who was submissive to another kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, to sin and to Satan and to self. And he began taking people from this kingdom and putting them in his kingdom. Somebody say amen. That's good stuff. Paul said he's transferred you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light of his beloved son. That's what he's come here to do, to be king and to give you a kingdom. Man, I hope you're getting this today because this ain't about church. It's not about a building. It's not about four walls. It's not about a pastor. It's not about a logo. It's not about a song choice. It's not about what the AC is on or the color of these pews and these walls. It's about a king and it's about a kingdom. It's about a king and it's about a kingdom. You see, this kingdom wasn't coming in man's way in the natural. It was coming God's way in the spirit. You see, you can become God's people. His power can invade your life and rescue you from Satan's dominion. And His Spirit can take up territory in the heart of man. His kingdom comes in healing and delivering and restoring. But you've got to believe it to see it. I said you've got to believe it to see it. Not see it, to believe it. You've got to believe it to see it. So the first thing is, number one, what do you expect? Three things. Expect, enter, and experience. Number one is expect. Expect. What do you expect to see? You see, the Jews weren't expecting to see a king and a kingdom this way. They wanted a Roman conqueror. They wanted someone that was going to meet their expectations, deliver them from Rome, and set them up as the most prosperous kingdom in the world. So when he didn't meet their expectations, they got angry. They disbelieved. I told you, when I come home into my kingdom... <laughs> And I like a clean house. I'm a little OCD, all right? I like a clean house. I come with an expectation of what my kingdom should look like. 
Well, my girls have been lost all day this summer. They have getting lost in their own little world. They set their own little cosmos up. And when they don't see the mess that I see, they see their own little kingdom. They see what they are lost in, all right? And sometimes we're the same way. We have different expectations than God has expectations. We see different things that God doesn't see. When these Jews wanted to know when God's kingdom was coming, Jesus looked at them and said, It's not just up there, it's not just then in the future, but it's here and now. So they had different expectations and they couldn't see it. There was people like Anna and Simeon, people like Joseph of Arimathea. Mark 15 says that they were waiting. They were waiting for the kingdom. They were looking with anticipation. Anna and Simeon, when the day that Jesus came as a baby in the, in the temple, they, they said, God, I, this is the day I've been waiting my whole life for. This is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been longing to see. Even the Magi, searchers of truth, not even Jews, they were pagans. They were Zoroastrian people, Persians. They were looking for something. What are you looking for? What are you expecting? Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 23, he said, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world, but I'm not of this world. Therefore, I say to you that you'll die in your sins unless you believe. Somebody say believe. believe. Unless you believe that I'm he. You'll die in your sins. Who's he? It is not uncommon for you to know who Jesus is if you live in the southeastern or southern part of the United States. You know of a guy named Jesus. Even Muslims will know of a man named Jesus. Even they'll say that he's a great prophet. Even Buddhists will know there's a man named Jesus. I went to one of the most liberal universities in the state of Missouri, and all of my professors who did not believe in uh, the saving power of God believed there was a man named Jesus. There, there's not a person who's a reputable historian in the face of the world that denies that Jesus was a real person who walked in the first century. He was real, by the way. I don't know if you know that, but science, history, everyone declares Jesus was real. But who is he? That's the question. Who is he? Who is he to you? And who do you expect him to be? So you may come in here expecting that he's just here to save you, get you out of hell free card, and get you on a prosperous life to live your best life now and so that you can enjoy the best this world has to offer. Let me tell you something. He's coming as a king. He's coming with a kingdom. And he's not here that you can just add church on to your life, but that you can add your life into his kingdom. You see, there's a difference. We don't come here to add church onto my life. I come here to get added into the kingdom. I come here to be a part of something greater than I am, a part of something greater than sanctuary, a part of something greater than what song choice we have, or what our different doctrines are, or what man does, or how we do things in this place. We can get so focused on church that we miss his kingdom. He's a king in a kingdom. You see, you might think you know him, but do you know the world that he's from? What's it like over there? Man, wouldn't that be nice to go check it out just for a little while? In his world. He says, I'm from above and you're from below. You're from this world, but I'm not from this world. I'm from a different cosmos. I'm from a different place. Things don't work the same way up there. It's a spiritual place. It's not like how you do things down here. We do things by the Spirit up there. We do things in the way God wants to do things up there. It's a whole different place. I can't hardly describe it to you. And we're going to take the rest of the year to talk about the kingdom is like some pearls. It's like a treasure. It's like a field. I'm going to tell you how it's like. But he says, but you've got to believe 
I'm offering you something different. I'm getting you from this way of thinking and living and doing and taking you to a whole other place. You see, many may be going to church, but they're not seeing or seeking the kingdom. Church is a part of the kingdom, but it's not the kingdom. It's the part where we realize we are a God-ruled people. You see, church-focused people often turn inward with their pews and their pastors and their programs and their songs and their church signs. But a kingdom-focused people are advancing. They're taking territory for Christ. They're submitting to the lordship of the Holy Spirit. Church people uh, often do this. They, they don't think about, I have to forsake earthly things, or maybe I, I'm not really interested in lingering in prayer or worshiping by the Spirit. But a kingdom people are learning to live differently. They're living by faith and in the Holy Spirit. So what are you expecting? What are you expecting? Number two is enter. What have you entered? What have you set up in preparation for him? So uh, I told you that I would set up Hot Wheels. You know, man, I had tracks and tracks and tracks. And uh, I would take preparation to set up the world that I wanted to live in for the next day. My girls will bring out, I don't know why, but they love to bring out everything in their rooms to the living room. Parents, you notice this? It's like, you ha I bought you a room. You have a bed. This is your, you know, 12 by 10 space to do what you want. But you want to come into the, whatever. But they, they take great preparation to live in the, the room they're about to create, to live in the world they're about to create. What space have you made for God to take up residency in your life? When's the last time you made a space to get lost in the dwelling of His Spirit? I'm not talking about just go, I read my Bible, did my Bible plan, did this, did that, I didn't cuss today, thank God I didn't slap her when she said that to me, praise Jesus. But what about taking space to say, God, I want to abide in your presence. You know Charles Finney, Great Awakening, uh, First Great Awakening. I, I remember a story. He said, I went to this barn, and I just got lost in God, in the attic, in a bunch of hay. And he woke up several days later, lost in the kingdom. He was taken up in the spirit to heavenly places. And that's what Paul said in Ephesians. He has seated us in heavenly places. He seated us there, not then, now. You are with him now. He is there on the throne interceding for you, and you, his heart can come into your heart. But guess what? Your heart can go into his heart, and his heart's in heaven. He's sitting right there with the Father. You have a dwelling place in heavenly places. You can get lost in him. But you've got to make space, church. You've got to make a room for him. And you might have to set some preparation in order. Get rid of the busyness. Get rid of the drama. Get rid of the, the excuses and say, God, I'm a kingdom person. I want to spend time in your kingdom presence and power today. Amen. Amen. See, it's a place. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, sometimes I have got to humble myself to enter into my girl's world. Sometimes I have to be the store clerk at the grocery store, right? Sometimes I've got to go to a tea party, or sometimes I've got to be the shark in the swimming pool that is eating them or something, right? I've got to humble myself to enter into their world. And Jesus says the same thing. You're not coming in this world unless you give up ownership of your own. 
You're not coming into this relationship with me, and you, unless you realize you're willing to get lost into my authority, into my power, and who I am. You've got to believe that I'm He. I'm not coming just to take you to good church services. I'm not coming just to gift you into a good do doctrine or denomination. I'm coming to get you into my kingdom where I rule and I reign. It's a place like no other place with a people who will be like no other people, with a power that's like no other power. And it's a kingdom of heaven, and it's here and it's now. Have you entered the kingdom? You see, the kingdom of God is within you. That playroom may look like a mess to outsiders, but to kids playing in it, it's their whole world. The same is true for a kingdom person. To an outsider, it may like, look like you're just attending some religious service on Sundays. You're praying to yourself on Mondays. You're reading an old Bible on Tuesdays. You're giving too much of your money, too much of your time. It may look like you're too strict on your kids and they're missing out on this world's fun. It may look like you're living in a fairy tale, but they may say, put that junk away and go get back to the real world. But you know, you know on the inside of you, you've got something nobody else has. You've got a king and a kingdom. It's a place where there's joy that's new every morning. Peace comes walking in on the storm. Heaven is for you and not against you. There's not a grave on this world that can hold you down because you've got a king and you've got a kingdom. It's a place. It's a place where sin has no more condemnation, where demons flee, sickness is healed in his name, joy is new every morning, and the Spirit lets you know you're God's kid. Have you entered the kingdom? Lastly is, have you experienced it? Have you experienced it? So uh, every week, pretty much when we watch TV, uh, my kids are always asking, is this real? We're in this stage right now where we're always trying to determine uh, whether or not they watch a superhero movie. Is that real? No. That's not real. Or if this is a documentary, that is real. And when we read the Bible, Beth and I have these, even this week we conversated about it, that we make sure... These stories about Jonah and a whale, that is real. We're watching these Bible shows, that is real. That's not fake. That's not Hollywood. These superheroes, they fake. They're not real. All right, news, that's fake. No, <laughs> uh, you know, come on. All right, these shows are fake. These shows are real. But when we open the Bible, this all actually happened. These miracles happen. These stories are true. There is a God. There are angels. There are demons. There was a Jesus. Somebody named Peter did walk on water. Jonah did go in the belly of a whale. Man, there was a Red Sea. It actually parted. There was a guy named Elijah, and fire came down from heaven because that's kingdom. That's real. There is another heavenly realm that is beyond what the eyes can see, but you've got to believe it to see it. And it's here, and it's now. See, what is, what is real in your life? Is it just a story? Is it more than make-believe? Is it something you just hope to experience over there when you die? Maybe you believe in kingdom. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to live that man up in glory, man, when I see grandma. We go fishing with grandpa. Man, that's what it's all about. Man, I've been to so many funerals about stuff like that. Man, when I just get over to glory, you know, we're going to eat some pizza and fish and... There's even songs in country music about getting your beers in heaven. I mean, Lord, help us. I'm serious. It's all about there. What about here? What about now? You see, you need to experience this for yourself. You can come to church every day of the week. You can be in this building. But this building is not the kingdom. I'm not the kingdom. Sanctuary is not the kingdom. 
The, pe the, the people of God are the kingdom. The place where God rules and reigns is the kingdom. His power over sin, hell, death, and the grave, that's the kingdom. But you have to experience it. What is the kingdom? Romans 14, verse 17. What a great verse. It says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He says the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is not do's and don'ts. You can work for the Salvation Army and the Peace Corps and do do's and don'ts. There are great moral atheists who do do's and don'ts. The kingdom of heaven is not what you do and what you don't do. That is a part of it, but that is not it. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, that you have right standing with God through Jesus Christ who died for you and spilled His blood and raised from a grave on the third day that you could be seated with Him in heavenly places. That means that you are sanctified, made holy as He is holy, regenerated born again, alive in Christ, justified, declared legally innocent in the most high court of heaven, and reconciled, named friend of God. That is what he says. It is righteousness. It is becoming a new person, a new creation in right standing with God. It's imputed to you. You cannot deserve it. You cannot work for it. You cannot earn it. But you can receive it by grace through faith. That's simply it. It is righteousness with God. It is peace. It is peace with God through Jesus Christ who broke down all the walls that separated us. There's no more Jew, nor Gentile, nor male, nor female, nor slave, nor free. You are all children of the Most High God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and you have peace, access with God, that at any moment, in any day, you can get down on your knees and go to a throne of grace that is prepared before you in the presence of your enemies, and you can find help from God. There's peace. There is joy. There is joy that comes new on every sunshine that God gives you. It's there waiting for you every day. It's a joy that does not depend on circumstance or tribulation or trial. They could burn you at the stake, and the joy of the Lord can still be your strength. It's a joy that's not circumstantial on this economy or this finances or whether I, your pastor, please you. It's a joy that does not come through what man's kingdom is doing. It's a joy that is found only in what Jesus Christ can do, will do, and is doing for you. It's joy in the Lord. Righteousness, peace, and joy. See, that transcends all this other junk. Man, there are church splits and decides of what we do and where we go and what our church logo is going to look like and what the board's doing, the pastor's doing, and the song leaders. That's all church stuff. That's man stuff. But in the kingdom of God, though, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Have you experienced it? Have you experienced it? You see, I have power. We have power to witness, power to live holy, power over the enemy, and power over death itself. Hebrews says we've been partakers of this heavenly calling, and we've tasted of the heavenly gift. Are you experiencing the kingdom of heaven? Because it's a whole nother world. Man, it's a whole nother world. It's out of this world, by the way. It's a whole nother world. And if they don't come in here looking at us and say, man, y'all are kind of weird. Y'all don't look like the rest of everybody. That's what we want. Because we need to be an out of this world kind of people. Because we don't do things like the rest of the world does. But that's why we can say this, that your response reveals your realm. Your response 
to this world, your response through your week to that person that you want to slap, that response to that unfair boss, that response to those spouses who are pushing all your buttons, that response to your kids who are not living up to your expectations, your response when you don't know how you're going to pay your bills, your response when you're trying to break through addiction and fighting all these things in your life, trauma of your past, your response is going to reveal your realm. Your realm is what's going to determine whether or not you live, you die, you see, you succeed or fail. Your realm is the kingdom. And that's going to reveal my response. Man, I'm going to respond the kingdom way. I want to live the kingdom way. Have you experienced his kingdom? Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? The same kingdom up there and then is the same kingdom here and now. The same kingdom up there and then is the same kingdom here and now. What are you expecting? Have you made a space to enter? And are you experiencing the kingdom in your heart? Let's just make a response to the Lord today. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you, sir, ma'am, young man, young woman? Lord, I don't want to just go to church. I just don't want to be a part of a church. Church is great. We're the people. But God, it's so much bigger than just our pews and our preferences and our programs. So much bigger than a pastor. So much bigger than, than our policies and procedures. It's so much bigger than our song choice. So much bigger than our church sign. Lord, it's not about me. It's all about him. Father, I pray over every man, woman, boy, and girl, for every mom and dad, they'd be a kingdom couple. Father, over every young person, but as they go to school this next week, God, they would be a kingdom.